Welcome to our podcast, Digi Nomas. Hi, I'm Fatima Zuniga. And hi, I'm Mike. Nice to have you on board to listen to our podcast. Hi, listeners. Thank you for being on board again. Today we have Jade and um, let her introduce herself. Hi, Jade. Nice to have you. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, so I'm super happy to be here with you today. Um, I'm Jade. I'm 23 years old. I'm currently finishing my master's degree in urban studies. And I'm here to talk about my master thesis research. Perfect. So I was part of your study in a way because we had a meeting in February, was it? So you sure. asked me a bunch of questions and I told you all that I don't want to talk about my age, but that's my thing, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that part. I had to guess. It was really hard, I have to say. But anyway, so... Um, but but probably you sp you spoke with a lot of people who want to be digital nomad, are digital nomad, and you know this is a trendy topic. But as you told me also before, there's no actually real definition. It's not scientific who is a digital nomad or not. And I remember last year I watched some YouTube videos where someone that oh i'm a digital nomad but i have a home base in brussels so <laughs> so it's it's interesting so what you got out of out of these interviewers what they told you so that's i'm really curious about this yeah so maybe first i should explain a bit because you know me already but uh, i'm actually indeed researching on digital nomads in Madrid, uh, as I said, I'm doing urban studies, so I need to have a urban context. Uh, but I am actually um, researching on the everyday life of a digital nomad. So what are the choices they make in the city of Madrid? Where do they live? Where do they work from? How do they organize? And all that kind of things. But also, we talked about that already, right? Is that one point, as you said, is difficult to find one single definition for digital nomads and academics have tried to find some um, already for a long time now but I have the feeling that as you said since the pandemic and it's becoming an increasing trend it also adds some uh, novelties where they have to incorporate that things to the definition they already had so there is not an agreement but one point on you on which you touched is the home base and before I started to research on the field and before I started to do interviews with digital nomads here in Madrid, uh, the definition I had selected is that indeed digital nomads do not have home base because they're always on the move. It's like population group that has one thing uh, that everybody actually agreed on is that they are always highly mobile. They never stay very long in a place, right? They never settle. So for me, at the beginning of my work, the definition I selected, according to, it's not my definition, but according to a lot of researchers, it was that there are people who have the freedom of choosing where do they want to live, um, and they can always change the place they live because they work remotely, so they work from their laptop, that people already know, um, and they really had emphasizes on this freedom that would allow them to live the way they want, wherever they want, without home base. But I realized with my interviews that it's not always the case. And for example, you right now, Mike, I think you have a home base for a few months, but you're also continuing your journey afterwards, right? 
Yes, that's a good question. So, I mean, I'm a little bit stuck here in Madrid for some personal reason. I don't want to go in details, but I, I'm happy that I'm coming out of this situation and and I might, I'm waiting now for some, some stuff and then I'm going on the road again. And But I have to go back to North America and then actually... I changed my plan and then I might not stay in Spain anymore. I, I really want to go to South America. So that's my plan for today. It might change again, but so that's my situation. I, 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 I came to Spain and I was in Barcelona and then I came to Madrid and then I stayed here more than six months. So, so that's my situation, but I want to, I want to go in this because this is also another dimension of this. And that means, yeah, you want to decide to be a digital nomad, but you need an address, right? For tax purposes, for government purposes. And you need also the best is you need a, a company. So there is all some, some environments where you, where you have something like a home base, right? So I have an address in Canada, what is like a, that's just the mailbox anyway, right? But yeah, but that's also something that exists, right? You can have yeah. just you just pay for an address where you can receive your official mail and all that kind yes. of thing. But you you need but, this. you need this. Even you stay in Spain, you need an address because everyone asks you for that, right? You I mean how you can get uh, certain things, right? You know, even if you want to stay in Spain, you, maybe you don't know that you need this. Because I'm not an EU citizen, I need this TAE. And then if I don't have my TAE in, in, in order, then I have issues with my bank. So that's all this kind of scenarios where I'm now in, right? So, but I, I think you're, of... you're already diving into the practical and yeah. uh, things of the life. And it's true, we can talk about this after, but I actually heard a lot about how digital models also struggle with the practicalities and with the visas and because we can talk about it now, but a lot of new things have been implemented for attracting digital nomads in cities and countries. And one of them is digital nomad visa. It's like a special visa above for that. And that was created the first time in Estonia in 2020. And now it's more than... 30 countries that have it and Spain just implemented it. And one of the things that they require for those uh, visas is that people actually earn a lot of money, like into context, for example, the minimum they ask per month for the digital nomad visa in Spain is 200% of um, the minimum Spanish wage, which is huge. And if you can't provide the monthly rent, then you can show proof of a year Yearly net that is above like 30,000 uh, euro, I think. So all that kind of thing also put pressure on the digital nomads. You were talking about finding an address where you can receive your mail, but it's also like economic pressure because it's not always as pink as we can see on like a blog or on a Instagram uh, content, for example. But you also said something else that was interesting right at the beginning is that you said for personal reason, I'm kind of stuck in Madrid. And it's, it's funny because I actually, well, I don't know if it's funny, but I actually interviewed a lot of people that had personal reason for being here or 
think of this route afterwards or choosing something. And so what I told you before about my initial definition that was already here in the research is that people are free to do their choice. And it's really like free to be happy wherever. There is very this hedonistic pleasure thing that is above everything. But what I realized when talking with actually people that are digital nomad is that they are also like every human on this earth, there are constraints and their choice is not always dictated by if the place they want to go to is sunny or not. And so there is even more things to consider and to to be aware of when we think about those people, I think. Uh, hello, guys. Sorry that I interrupt you. Yeah, I didn't uh, introduce myself, but I'm here with you on this conversation. First of all, thank you so much, Jay, for staying here. Uh, we are so happy to to, ha to have you here. And this is definitely uh, one of the most important, I mean, topics that we have on, on this community that is like the, just coming back to the concept about to be uh, digital, about being the digital nomad, because yeah, uh, coming back again to that uh, first point that you discussed before, and I have the same question about it because, for example, at the beginning, I have the I had the thought that uh, being a digital nomad, it was just about to stay in moving, stay moving, uh, maybe even in a in a country or in a city, you know, like okay, maybe you have no offices, you know, like you can decide that uh, the place that you wanna be. For example, uh, you can be now in a cafeteria. Tomorrow you can be in a co-working space or maybe the next day you can just change to another city or country. So uh, maybe that could be a good question for you that you are in on this research. That is a kind of oh, like also a definition as digital nomad or for being a digital nomad, uh, according to your research, you need to stay uh, like moving to another place and like how many time could be like the time to be considered as digital nomad again, according to your research, there is like my maybe my first concern and just like add my adding my comments about the visa. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. There is another good uh, topic to discuss about it because definitely uh, I I was on the same situation because the, the last year I was there in in Spain as well so right now I I just moved to to Mexico and I can work remotely and I was doing also my research about how to get that visa in order to stay there as digital nomad as you know uh, uh this year they approved this visa, mm -hmm. a digital nomad, but they have no like a lot of, let's say now, like a lot of rules, uh, like exactly rules. They you you can make like your own research, but they don't it's very complex. Yeah, it's exactly. not very clear. Exactly that the full information or like uh exactly details, so it's a bit confused. So it is a, a, a big topic with that. So I think it is definitely a really good opportunity if you have this, uh, at least for me, if you have like this kind of lifestyle because you have that choice, even 
if that choice, as you said before, and, and there is, uh, again, that is also interesting to talk about it because there, there are a lot of reasons for moving, you know, for each person is totally different reason. I will say, for example, for me, it's because, uh, yeah, definitely, I really like it, like the lifestyle there, like the culture, like every kind, maybe, uh, kind of opportunity that you can have there. And there is something that you mentioned. We we had a, a conversation before about that. So maybe for me, it could be that I want to see another kind of environment there, you know, like mm -hmm. different to, to my country. So there is a, a really good point because I'm trying actually to just change my my situation about that. But also, well, it's because I, I really like to stay like moving and seeing another places and just like, you know, have this kind of dynamic. But well, I just uh, wanted to add my comments to these three points. The first one, if you can. Okay, you will need to guide me again. But I think um, first, what you asked me about the definition I'm using. So I didn't really um, go into detail but basically my research has two parts the first part was really like interviewing and having a long talk with digital nomads in Madrid and asking them about uh, their practices here in the city because my studies are related to the city like all social sciences around and in the case of my research here it's like a first attempt to try to understand how digital nomads live in the city to then see how it can have an impact on neighborhoods and potentially in in like potentially enhance uh, the neighborhood change or not enhance the right world but um really push a neighborhood change so here i was talking with them and i had those definitions that i tried to take from the existing research but then once i interviewed them as i said it was a very diverse population they were not staying the same amount of time in Madrid, not at all. It came from a few months to actually a few years, which was a big surprise for me at that time. Um, they had no home base or they had one. They don't have the same work situation, like all that kind of things. So it became a bit like in my mind, I, I thought at first, did I make a mistake or something? But no, actually, it was one of the findings. And I realized after and I talked about it with other researchers and actually um, the definition I stopped on for, oh, not the definition, but like the selection of digital nomad I justify in my research is that all the people I interviewed self-identify as digital nomads. So that was what even more interested is that they themselves they don't necessarily agree on what is the requirement for actually being considered a digital nomad and you were talking about how long should you be said like staying in one place or how often should you move to be considered a digital nomad and I think this is even more important in the research right now because because of COVID a lot of people started to do remote work but like random people, people that live in a city for like 10 years and now they just don't go to the office every day anymore, which was one of the unique feature of being a digital mind, kind of. So I think now I have recently read a study that said like, for example, you can be, you can differentiate just a remote teleworker and a digital nomad if the person, the digital nomad is at least moving three year, three times a year and working while they move and where they move needs to be somewhere else than a friend's or a family's place. So 
typically like what one of my interviewees called a workation. So for example, I live in Madrid, but I want to go two weeks in Greece and work from there. And I, I don't have friends or family there. But I mean, for me, I am not like, like those are the attempts in the current research to really try to stop a definition. But uh, for what I'm doing me on my research, I didn't want to be so strict about it because what I'm interested at on a general basis is to see how people that have a temporary stay in a city and are international, um, yeah, like have like a behavior that could impact the city in itself. So for me to really like have a strict think about moving or not every three times or four times was not that important, I think. But that's one of the attempts. And one of the things that has been said recently is also like the need to have a definition is also to, because now we see there are visa, but how, how can you actually design policies for that kind of people if you don't know who they are and what they need and what they're looking for? Um, and it's also hard to quantify digital nomads, really hard. Uh, in Spain, there's been one study, I think I found only one that tried to quantify them and they found out that the three uh, biggest city and most touristic city of Spain, which are uh, Barcelona, Madrid and Valencia, were the places, um, well, I don't think if Valencia is the most touristic, but at least those three big cities were the places where there were more digital nomads in Spain. But uh, one more time, it's also a bit approximative because there are people that are off the radar and not everyone is asking about a digital nomad. And it's actually quite new because people before had to go either with like a student visa, either without like just a touristic visa, but it was also what now they call a bit like illegal digital nobody is that they didn't have a proper visa that should allow them to stay here to work. But as they're working remotely, they could be completely off the radar. Nobody would know. Um, and I think that's also what strikes me. And I would say that maybe digital nomad is becoming even more trendy, but I don't know if maybe the nature of digital nomadism is changing a bit because I feel like from what I read of the first definition that were 20 years ago, as I said, it was really focusing on like freedom and you're really like, you're like off the beaten track. You're completely out of the administrative system. And now the administrative system is trying to include you because as the numbers rose, it can bring also problem for countries to have those populations that they have no idea who they are because tourists are being quantified in the hotel. Well, now it's also a bit of a problem with Airbnb, but you try to measure what are the flows of tourism and you try to regulate it a bit sometimes. But if you have population that come and you have no idea where they are and what are they doing and what do they consume and what... So this creates also a bit of a um, blurry zone for the countries and receiving spaces. Just to jump in on this, I mean, I see that two two groups. One, if you're a EU citizen, you can be in Madrid and you don't need to register and whatever, nobody knows. But if you're nobody not a EU citizen, then you you have to agree with the visa and there's Schengen visa, not everyone gets a Schengen visa. And there's the rules that you can stay only 90 days in six months. So, and then now news started with the digital nomad visa. But why Spain started with this? I mean, because the other countries started with that too. And there's, they wanna attract these people to, mm -hmm. to spend their money here. It's 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 a different exactly. stream for, for Spain not only the tourists, and now they're restricting even how many tourists can come to certain places, I, I read, but mm -hmm. it's also 
the attraction to the Spanish government that all these people, they come here and then they spend their money. I mean, but we don't need to care about them because we ask them to bring their own insurance. So they're, so that, that that's the attractiveness for the government. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's I think it's one point, and it's one of the points of my research, and it's where you don't you we should not be naive about is that it was one of the strategy for many countries and Spain, especially like to also overcome the past crisis. And this is like first, I think not first, but like when it started to be important, digital nomad arriving in Madrid was just after 2008 and the financial crisis of the early 2010s because they tried to like market the city, like attract tourists and by trying to attract tourists, a lot of also other population like digital nomad trying to say like, oh, okay, maybe it's a good alternative also because Barcelona was already being more like touristic. And one of the things also with digital nomad is that they like to differentiate themselves they don't want to be associated with tourist behavior so they try also to go somewhere different sometimes so that was the first time and then now with the covid crisis of course tourism has been greatly impacted but they found out that the population that was still coming were the digital nomad because they were a bit more off the track and they would still really have a great need of moving even though also because they don't have the choice they don't have a home base sometimes so they keep on moving even though the situation is complicated so they had the idea of creating this visa to facilitate the venue of those people that are, of course, bringing a lot of money. But I think what is related to me and my urban perspective here is that it has not really been thought, I think, what would be the impact of attracting so many people. And for example, in Madrid, one of the most hype, hipster, cool neighborhoods you have is Malasania. And this is where I think half of the people I have interviewed are living. And if they don't live here, they want to live there or they would like to live there because Malasania is not in like it's really in the center, but it's not like the very touristic area. It's more like seen as an alternative, very cool, emblematic place of what is it to live in Madrid. But when you look at it, there is actually there is barely no Spanish left in this neighborhood. So that's also things that I try to be critical about. And it's not about like good or bad. It's just facts. And those those like increasing trends have also consequences that they're receiving places. Mm, that's amazing. So just my like uh, my last sorry question about that. So if you are in the same city and you are working remotely and you are changing your place again, like you are not at office, but you are moving to some different places to work. Do you think that is considered as digital nomad or no? Okay, I'm sorry. I, so for example, if I work for a company and then I change, like I, for example, I'm living here two years, I work for a company and then I change my location. No, yeah, but I, in your own city. Like, for example, imagine that you are working for uh, remotely for a company. You are not at the office. So ah. you work again, like the same com uh, like comment that I uh, said before. You are moving to different places just to work, but in the same city. That is considered as digital nomad or not? I don't know for sure, but I would not consider it as digital nomad. Okay, to me, sure. no. And I think... But okay, it's a bit related, but I think what I said about how digital nomadism used to be really like 
not in an administrative box, impossible to follow. It was really like in margin, margin. And now you realize that they wanted to escape the office, but they actually, and that's the second part of my study, is studying where they work from, cafes, co-working spots. And now the, some of them, not all of them, but some of them like really like they reform what they left because they actually find out that they need this work-life balance. So maybe they go to co-working space. But it's true that in co-working space, it's not only international people. There are also Spanish people um, here in Madrid. And I would not consider them digital nomads just because they go to the co-working spot. Okay, that, that is really interesting according to your research that you are not considering that because yeah, there is, as you said before, there is not like a, an exactly definition about this. And I think now after pandemic, uh, we are trying just like to adapting this concept because there are like some uh, people that they, they are just working remotely and it doesn't matter where they are, but they are sometimes uh, just consider as digital nomad because they are not at office, not because they are traveling, yeah. but not because they are in a different country than they uh, belong. So there is so interesting. But <laughs> I think that's where the nomad part is supposed to make the difference also with the remote worker. But it's a bit complicated. And, and also it's complicated when you found out that there are some digital nomads that are actually here for two or three years. And you're like, wait, what? Like, that's not what I thought. Because you actually built yourself a home base. But yeah, there are some academics that say that is the... And what some people here also told me when I interviewed them is like, well, okay, I'm not moving all the time, but I can do it whenever I can. So if they don't, like, they have at least this freedom in their mind that is like, I can still do it whenever I can. But then you, like, from what I've been telling you right now, you realize how messy it is and how hard it is to really, like, put, like, boundaries on what is a digital nomad. Okay, interesting. So now, Jade, uh, going to the point that uh, I, I know that is also, like, a, let's say uh well i don't know what is your opinion about that topic but what are other reasons that people uh could have in order to move to another country or city in order to have this kind of lifestyle because you mentioned before that it's not just because they just want to move and just have you know like the best life well, like, like the, yeah, they just want to move because they were okay on their city or country, but just they have this kind, they, they want to have this kind of dynamic. So what are the other reasons that you think they have for moving? Yeah, so I have no question or I am not like precisely researching on reason to move, but I, of course, could have some assumptions and own conclusion when I talk with the people. And one thing um, is that, as I said at the beginning, like there is not only people with like privileged position and it's not, I mean, I don't know if they live because really, really they can't live where they are, but they know that for sure they can't do what they want because maybe they don't earn enough money. So they want to relocate on places where it's, cheaper the cost of life because then they can they can gain a higher purchasing power just by relocating that's what they call geo arbitrage it's like you have your money and you decide where you go to make like optimum like an optimum use of this money you have but um yeah like I had people who told me like well I just 
with the money I had, I couldn't pay a rent in the center of the city I was living. I was in the suburb, like I, I didn't enjoy where I was. Or so it's also like really trying to search for a better life somehow. And it's funny because digital nomads are not initially on the like they are not on the side of economic migration. They are not fleeing their country because they're really poor. But maybe what I see, it's not always the case, but is that they were like maybe middle class and maybe lower middle class. And so they couldn't really have a good life basically where they were. So they're trying to relocate also for that reason. Um, and yeah, that's that's something. But sometimes you realize that they still work a lot. Like, for example, that was something that was because they're not part of economic migration. They are part of what we call lifestyle migration mobility. Okay, because migration is very like fixed. It's like one movement. Mobility is what I said at the beginning. It's more on the move that goes better with supposedly what is a digital nomad. And so lifestyle mobility is when you really move because you search a better quality life. Um, and so what was I saying? Yes, because, okay, I was surprised to see that actually some people, they work a lot. Like, okay, they work remotely, but they during the weekdays, they, they lock themselves in their room because they have to work like nine hours for a company that is in the US. So it's, uh, or maybe they don't go out that much for three months because they are freelancers and they need to make sure that they make the money before they start spending the money. Or So it's not always very like comfortable economic or life, uh, position that I observed and I was actually surprised because uh, yeah like this this person she was working for an American company and she has to work on American time zone so it's like a lot of things that impact your daily life here and she was saying well I love Madrid I mostly enjoy it during the weekend because during the week I just can't and sometimes in the weekend I'm too tired so and then you you're like well are you really having a better life? I don't know. I'm, it's, I'm, it's not my job to be here to question this for them, but it it actually raises a bit of a question. It's like, it's not only like a win-win, I think. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, first of all, thank you so much for staying here because we are ending this chapter, but it was really interesting, uh, all these topics, because as we mentioned before, um we are trying just to give all these people like the real information in order to take a decision because as you mentioned before sometimes it's like you, you are like you know now on social media and you are just uh looking like the good things or you know like you are trying to convince yourself about the benefits of this but there are also like disadvantages and there are also like, uh, you know, like a lot of uh, stuff that you need to uh, take care of and you need to decide with uh, all the information that you need to. So this is really important. And this is uh, another uh, point view that we really enjoyed today. And we hope that we can discuss more about this in another chapter, please, because it's a complex topic. <laughs> but definitely we, we will do it in the next chapter, Jade. And thank you so much for staying here with us, Mike. Thank you for having me. I don't know if you want to add something, Mike, before we end this chapter. No, I mean, it's very interesting and we definitely should meet again and talk about this because the plan was to talk now about location and look at more 
how why people working in a, in a coffee and why other people like me work more at home because they need the quietness. So that's the next thing. And also uh, want to very short to say the economic that you now free where you chose to choose where you work is has also because I know from Canada, like in Toronto area, the renting prices are very high, super high, and it's very complicated. If you don't own a house, then you have to pay a lot of for rent. So mm. that's the Canadian situation. And maybe in, in Germany, it's, it's similar. I don't know the facts for this. But this is one motivation why people want to choose this lifestyle. just want to yeah. end it. Yeah. And, and on the other side, but which is, is that now, because also a lot of international people come, prices in Madrid also rise. So it's like, I feel like, in this world we have this global capitalized world it's just like snowball effects and if it's one place then it's going to be the other and then i don't know it's just this is the same thing happening here and i think for local people rents are really becoming a problem in madrid too yeah but well that is a topic that we are gonna for next time after, yeah <laughs> so thank you so much guys and see you on the next chapter bye bye thank you bye, bye. bye.